Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Robert McCaw. Now, Robert writes a series of books uh, featuring uh, a Hawaiian detective uh, and set in Hawaii. And I learned from talking to him off air that uh, while he is from New York and uh, lives in a couple different places, he had a home in Hawaii and lived there uh, for a period of time. And uh, as you'll hear, he just fell in love with the uh, geography and the people. And that led him to eventually write this series of books that we're going to talk about. But first, I want to remind you that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. Now, if that's something that you would like, and since you're listening to this podcast, I think there's a chance you do, uh, you can find out more at their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's Down and Out Books, all spelled out, Down and Out Books. Take the journey with us. Uh, now let's uh, just jump straight into this interview with uh, Robert McCaw, uh, an interesting guy who I will tell you, uh, much like uh, Alan Orloff last week, uh, had just a long and varied and eclectic work career outside of writing. Uh, due to time constraints, we didn't get into that. I would encourage you to go to his website and check that out because it was very interesting. Uh, since this program is uh, designed to keep an eye on the writing side of things, that's what we focused on. And uh, so let's hear from Robert. Well, hey, Robert, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. We could spend almost an hour just talking about your background. Uh, uh, you've done some very interesting things, and so I'd just like to uh, skip a stone across the top of that lake real quick. You were in the military. You have a degree uh, as a mathematician, correct? No, actually, well, I have a, a an, an undergraduate degree with a Bachelor of Science in Math, yes. And then you did spend some time in the Army. You were stationed in Korea for a bit, and that's where you encountered the, your first experience uh, as a, a lawyer. Absolutely. Um, I'm one of those rare lawyers who tried his first case uh, in a military court-martial um, before I ever went to law school. And then you went to law school, uh, University of Virginia, uh, where I uh, uh, where I was uh, uh, had one of the best educational experiences of my life, and uh, wound up as the uh, editor in chief of the law review. Oh wow! Um, and so, and then you had an entire career uh, in the law, and and that could be a show in and of itself. Uh, but somewhere along the line, in the middle of of, of a, a a pretty what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, intense, intense. Intense law career, very well, very very writerly of you to come up with the right word there. Um, you you did have a, a chance to uh, visit Hawaii, and it seems to me like you fell in love with the place. You have it exactly right. Um, I went there, and I was uh, uh, I'm, I'm not particularly superstitious, but I stood there and I looked at the these this mountain scenery, and um, I just felt like there was a, a, a there was a, a an energy there uh, that. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, really, really grabbed me. And I remember standing on the beach at sunset, looking out at the ocean, and then turning around and looking back and through the palm trees, I could see Mauna Kea. And the top of Mauna Kea was covered with snow, and it was red because of the setting sun. And that's an image I will never forget. Wow. 
I don't, I don't think you could Photoshop that image. That's, that's, <laughs> that's so cool. Um, well, you know, the reason I brought up your background a little bit to, to lead us to Hawaii was uh, there is a little bit of, of sort of symmetry there in that a mathematician or a math student, someone dealing in the, in the math sciences, they're trying to solve a problem or solve a riddle. A lawyer somewhat is doing the same thing in in terms of of using a set of facts in order to help a judge or a jury solve the riddle in the way that they would like you to solve it. And now you're writing murder mysteries. And I feel like there's a little bit of a through thread there. It's not point A to point B exactly. There's a few bends to it, but there's a bit of a through thread there. Uh, and you know now you're writing murder mysteries in which your protagonist is trying to solve a riddle. And so it seems like that idea of solving riddles has been something that's uh, been a part of your life. Well, I think you nailed it, actually. Um, um, I've always loved puzzles. I've always loved mysteries. Uh, I read an enormous number of, of mysteries. Uh, and when I got to Hawaii and I got to, to begin to understand um, uh, the, what I call the real Hawaii, which isn't the palm trees and hula girls and uh, Mai Tais of uh, Waikiki, but is a, 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 a unique place, both geographically and in its history and culture. And as I got into that, I just found this overwhelming urge to share that with, uh, with readers. And then I thought, well, how am I going to do that? And uh, I decided that the way I would do that is uh, through a detective story. That I would uh, I would take my love of, uh, of puzzles, and and uh, you're absolutely right. As a as a lawyer, you you puzzle through, uh, try to understand the facts, and then to to figure out how to present them. Uh, and that's what uh, I, that's what I decided to do with a series of books about uh, Koakane. Uh, and I made another very important choice right there. I made my protagonist a Hawaiian. And uh, you can look at me and say, boy, that is difficult because you're not Hawaiian. Uh, and it took a lot of effort. But I wanted the story to come out with the language of Hawaii, with the appreciation of Hawaii, with the conflicts that are inherent in Hawaiian history and, and exist even today in uh, the, the political climate in Hawaii. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's that combination of this love of the island uh, and my uh, problem-solving background, if you will, that leads to, uh, leads to this, the, the whole series of, uh, of books. There's one other thing that's really, I think, important here. There are several books uh, by Michener Hawaii uh, Greg Isles, who writes about Mississippi, Jane Harper, who writes about the Australian outback. And in their books, the geography, the place, the character of the place is actually a character in the book. Uh, and that's one of the things that I've tried to achieve in this series. I wanted to make the history, the culture, the people, the language of this very interesting place uh, a, a little uh, character in the book, one that would interact with my human characters and would shape them and help shape the story. So on the surface, we're, we're looking at a pretty standard mystery in terms of there's a puzzle to figure out. But what you're really striving for, it sounds like, is to use that as a vehicle to explore something a little richer than just a mystery. Yes, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of my early trips to Hawaii, I went to the top of uh, Mauna Kea. It's the largest volcano on the island. It's 14,000 feet. And I discovered at the top of this mountain this wonderful contrast 
because on the slopes near the summit is a stone quarry. It's uh, huge. Uh, it covers seven miles, seven square miles. Uh, and it was used in the 14th, 15th, 16th centuries uh, as a source for hard stone. And they mined it. And so you have this industrial site, essentially, 16th century industrial site at the top of the mountain. And then you walk up the mountain a little bit further, and there are a dozen of the world's most extraordinary telescopes, including the W.M. Keck telescopes, which are among the most sophisticated scientific instruments on the face of the planet. And this contrast between the very modern and the ancient is the core of Death of a Messenger, which is the book we're, we're talking about. And it's that contrast that is played through the early stages of the book. And in many ways, the victim is in the story kind of a metaphor for the whole of Hawaiian history. Death of a Messenger was actually the first book I wrote uh, in the series. It was followed by Off the Grid and then by Fire and Vengeance. Uh, I self-published the first book because I couldn't find a publisher. Uh, it's now been republished or being republished. It's actually an updated version. It's uh, not the same as the first version, but it's been uh, updated by my publisher, who was so excited about the series that they agreed to do something fairly unusual, which is to take a self-published book and let me revise it and republish it. And so it is the beginning of the series, but you're getting it as the third book, almost like one of the uh, uh, Star Wars uh, flashbacks to earlier times. So if one were mapping it in terms of your protagonist's uh, chronology, uh, what would be the book order then? Death of a Messenger, Off the Grid, Fire and Vengeance? Yes. And then there's a fourth one that's uh, going to be forthcoming at the uh, uh, in the next year. And I've been calling him your protagonist because I will rather embarrassedly admit that uh, I thought it was Koa Kane when I was reading about it. And so I was glad that you said said his name first, save me that embarrassment. Uh, so Koa Kane, that is definitely uh, a, a very Hawaiian name for uh, a Hawaiian character. Was there any particular reason for that? exact specific name? Uh, does Koa mean something? Does Kane have a uh, any kind of an entomology as a family name or anything like that? Well, Kane actually in, 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 in Hawaiian means it means a man. Um, um, uh, and Koa, if you just take the word separately, is a, a unique tree that grows on Hawaii, uh, a huge tree from which the ancient Hawaiians made uh, the canoes. Uh, I made the double hull, single hull and double hull canoes from these giant trees, which they would go into the mountains, uh, cut down and drag uh, to the coast uh, and carve into ca uh, canoes. So it has that uh, uh, kind of connection to uh, uh, to Hawaiian language. Again, there's a lot of language, Hawaiian language in the book. Uh, it's all uh, translated for you. But uh, that's part of what I was trying to get across in terms of the understanding of this very, very unique place. Uh, so how would you describe Koa? What is his uh, his background? What kind of person is he? What could people expect as they pick up that, uh, that first book? Well, Koa grew up um, uh, in a family that had been um, something in the ancient world. They had been uh, uh, um, uh, canoe makers. Uh, and they had fallen on hard times. Uh, he basically grew up in a shack with uh, uh, out indoor plumbing. He, uh, uh, as a teenager, 
uh, got into, uh, and there's a long backstory which comes through all three of the published books, uh, got into a, a fight uh, with a man who uh, had, uh, he thought, and uh, I think correctly, had uh, killed his father. Uh, and he, in fact, in a, essentially an accident, killed this man. Uh, and rather than face justice, uh, he disguised the uh, killing uh, as a uh, suicide and for years feared that he would be found out. Then he goes into the army. He uh, has uh, military experiences. He comes un to understand that the world is not just Hawaii. He returns back to Hawaii and becomes a policeman. Uh, and his personal experience with crime and his personal experience with the cover-up of a crime uh, make him, an, one, an extraordinarily good investigator, suspicious to a fault, and always afraid that the perp is going to pull some kind of ruse and that will fool him. And so he's a, a, a very suspicious uh, investigator. Uh, but he's also committed to uh, finding the, uh, the justice for victims because he's simply trying to assuage his guilt, to assuage his, uh, his, his feelings of remorse for what he did and got away with. So he's a very unusual policeman, but I think that gives the story's character and it makes him uh, interesting in terms of his interactions with people and his approach to uh, crime scenes. Well, everything you've described, I think, is is going to, uh, you know, people are going to be attracted to this element or that element. Uh, uh, for me personally, you know, I'm, I, I was a linguist in the military, and so language is, has always been something that fascinates me. There's so much about a culture represented in their language. You know, there's just, there's no way you can study language without studying culture and really get any feel for it. So when you talk about uh, including uh, the Hawaiian language and, and, and a lot about the Hawaiian culture in there, you know, that, that's very interesting to me. How much Hawaiian do you speak? Are you fluent? No, actually, I'm I'm not fluent in Hawaiian. It's actually quite difficult language to to uh, to, to master. Uh, among other things, uh, when it's there was no written language before the missionaries arrived, and when they created the written language, they uh, they they restricted it to about 13 different letters instead of our 26. Uh, so there are all kinds of multiple meanings for for certain words. I did a lot of research. Um, uh, uh, and I uh, uh, put together uh, uh, the, the, the Hawaiian words that uh, I, I understood, but I wanted this to be accurate. And so one of the things that I did in preparing the, the books for publication uh, is I hired a, a professional Hawaiian linguist who uh, went through the books and corrected all my mistakes. Uh, I must tell you that if there are any remaining mistakes, they're mine. They're not hers. Uh, but she did a phenomenal job of correcting my uh, my in, uh, inaccurate Hawaii. And shifting to the culture element just a little bit, um, everybody has uh, their vision of Hawaii, I think. And and like most things, if you don't experience it, your vision is probably uh, stereotypical and uninformed. And, and, and obviously, you've gone a lot further in your exploration, so you probably have a much better picture of the real Hawaii. If people are blissfully ignorant to, to that, they just... You know, all they think of is like you mentioned, hula girls and mai tais and vacation spots. Uh, you know, what are a couple of 
things about Hawaiian culture, the real Hawaii, that you think people would find uh, surprising uh, or interesting or compelling? Well, the first is the geography. Most people who go to Hawaii go for Waikiki and uh, for the beaches uh, and for what I think of as almost a phony culture, a culture that was created by the PR folks who wanted a lot of tourists to come to Hawaii. Um, and I think most tourists don't realize that most of the emblems of that um, uh, PR culture are actually uh, false emblems. Many of the plants and flowers that are thought of as, as Hawaiian are not indigenous to the islands. They were brought in essentially as, as symbols. If you go to the big island, which is the island of Hawaii, which is the largest of, uh, of the Hawaiian chain, you'd be surprised to find that uh, there are giant cattle ranches. Uh, there are uh, fields of lava that look like you just uh, landed on the moon. There's a volcanic uh, site, uh, Kilauea, on the southwest side of the island that is uh, one of the most active volcanoes on Earth. Uh, it actually is erupting inside the caldera right now. Uh, in 2018, it uh, erupted in what's called the East uh, Rift Zone and uh, destroyed 700 houses and displaced a huge number of people got to the coast, uh, went into the ocean, set up huge uh, clouds of uh, uh, poisonous steam, uh, and expanded the island uh, by miles of, uh, of, of new geography. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the first thing, is that uh, uh, if, you've, if you've only been to the beaches, you don't know Hawaii. Second, um, like all societies, uh, there are conflicts. Uh, there is a, a, a sovereignty movement. There is a, 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 a group of, of, of Hawaiians who uh, uh, understand that the United States basically stole the islands from a legitimate government, one recognized by the United States and by a hundred other countries. That is a historic event that shapes the culture. Uh, just to give you a tiny example, uh, people on the mainland celebrate the 4th of July. Uh, it's not a very important holiday in Hawaii. Uh, much more important in Hawaii is King Kamehameha Day, because King Kamehameha is the person who consolidated the islands under uh, under under one rule. You also have a compacted history here. The Polynesians didn't reach the Hawaiian Islands until maybe eighty four hundred, maybe six hundred. Uh, so we have a much more confined uh, 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 space here. You have the original Hawaiians engaged in human sacrifice. So you come from human sacrifice to uh, the consolidation of the islands to modern uh, sensibilities and modern culture. You have them coming from an independent nation through a territory um, of the United States to statehood. Uh, you've got a whole different picture and, and history than you have in, in, in most other, uh, most other places. Uh, and so it's that, it's that culture, that sense that this is a very unique and special place that I've tried to capture. Yeah, I'm not uh, an expert by any means, uh, but as I understand it, there's there's uh, a lot of different groups who don't necessarily look very kindly on each other. 
the uh, American contingent, the native contingent, the Japanese uh, presence. Uh, there's there's just a a situation that for a fiction author is already ripe with potential conflict. There's there's a lot of truth in what you you've said, but I think you've you've, you've somewhat overstated it. Um, uh, because well, I, I uh, write fiction. Uh, I'm a dramatist. What can I say? <laughs> I abs- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, the, these people came to Hawaii at different times. Uh, uh, many of the Japanese, the Koreans, the Chinese, the uh, Philippine uh, population came to the islands um, because they were contract labor. They were brought in to 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 uh, uh, run the sugar fields and the pineapple fields. Um, and uh, ultimately, those industries in Hawaii collapsed. Um, um, uh, they were uh, outcompeted by uh, South America and other places in the world where we now get our sugar and our fruit. And so that, that's also a part of the story. But the Hawaiian people are very generous, typically. And yes, there is conflict. Uh, and yes, there is some uh, uh, racial tension. Uh, uh, not that we don't have plenty of that in other places in the world, but it's it it's di- it's different. It has a different character. It has a different feel. Uh, and I found um, as a Howley, as a Westerner, uh, as an outsider, an enormously generous um, a welcoming by many friends who helped me understand uh, what this culture was uh, was all about. Uh, on the one hand, I, I love the, the 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 tension of it. Um, and the s- disputes that uh, that come up, they're they're great for stories. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I have a, a a respect for the fact that they have come together in large measure as a society. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, uh, one of the uh, nicest uh, cops I ever worked with uh, was uh, from Hawaii, Blaine Kakuda, and his his wife Chantel. Uh, great people. Uh, if you're listening, Cax, I love you, man. So the book is Death of a Messenger. It is uh, uh, the Koakane series uh, from Robert McCaw and the next one coming out, Treasury Times 2, next year. Uh, Bob, I want to tell you thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to chat with you, which is uh, uh, fun to begin with, and uh, uh, obviously the opportunity to talk to uh, your listeners, who I hope uh, will pick up one of these books and become uh, readers. Well, there you are, folks. Robert McCaw and his Hawaii-centric series, Death of a Messenger, just released in January of this year. Uh, Like I said, an interesting guy. And uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, three minutes of reading his bio was time well spent because it's a very interesting career path and uh, all the different jobs that he took and how he landed in a couple of them. Uh, It's a great story in and of itself. Uh, next episode on Wrong Place, Right Crime, we're going to talk to Julie Holmes, who I met at the curtailed left coast crime last year in San Diego and uh, asked to be on the show and uh, finally was able to, to get her here. A quick Zafiro update for you. Uh, I've been on the airwaves elsewhere a little bit uh, this week. Uh, on Monday, I was uh, on the podcast Red Hot Chili Writers, and I'll be appearing today 
at 11 a.m., and that is Wednesday, January 20th of 2021, on Dr. Paul's Family Talk Radio on Impact Radio Network. And they'll do repeats of his show every three hours or so. So uh, for those who have a little conflict because of the inauguration, uh, plenty of opportunities there uh, to to catch that show there as well. So it's been a fun week there. On the writing front, uh, Sugar Got Low is finally out. Came out on the 18th. Just a couple of days ago, as of this recording, and it is available in digital and paperback. I'm also working on producing the audio version, but I'll talk a little more about that when its release is more imminent. That's all the news here in Central Oregon, uh, at least on the Frank Zafiro front. So uh, we will see you next week with Julie Holmes. Like to say thanks to Robert for coming on the show, Down Out Books for being a sponsor, and as always to you, the listener, for being here in this new year and keeping up with what's going on in my world and the world of those that I talk to. Uh, if you're interested in Hawaii, give Robert McCaw's books a try. Meanwhile, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime. <laughs>